Welcome to Teaching Channel Talks. Every other week, I'll be talking to expert educators about how to tackle some of the most challenging issues in education. I'm your host, Wendy Amato. I'm the Chief Academic Officer of Teaching Channel and Learner's Edge. I've been teaching since 1991. I hold a PhD in curriculum and instruction, and I love education. This week, we're joined by Sarah Otto, the founder of Confianza. Sarah, welcome. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Wendy. How are you doing today? I'm fine. I'm so happy that you're here, and I, I would love to ask you to share a little bit about your background and help us set the context for the conversation ahead. Oh, absolutely. So I started out as a classroom teacher, uh, so we'll go way back to to then start as a classroom teacher in a time when there was a major teacher shortage in Milwaukee Public Schools. And although I wanted to teach art, I went into teaching classroom third and fourth grade and soon realized that was some of the most creative work I could ever do in my life was manage a classroom of diverse learners in an urban inner city situation. And that brought me to bilingual education. So I've been a bilingual educator and ESL teacher um, as well as a classroom teacher, taught and lived in Latin America and um, really spent most of my career after teaching being an instructional coach and curriculum coordinator district leader. I've worn many hats, Wendy, it's hard to recall them all. But um, <laughs> My favorite work is supporting teachers and supporting leaders. And before I started Confianza, my most recent work was uh, running a master's in ESL program for teachers and instructional aides, um, second career folks, and and working with the Gates Foundation and, and doing some work with Teaching Channel and, and seeing that schools really needed a flexible partner to support language and culture and changing demographics in schools. And so I left the nonprofit world to start a business, which I never would have ever would have imagined I would have done. But that's that's what was required of me. That was where I could serve next, if you will. So that's a kind of a synopsis of my my story. I, I'd love to hear more about your background as we get to know each other. Well, I'm smiling here. Unfortunately, it doesn't show in a podcast, but we definitely have some similarities anchored in having a wide range of experience. And I, I think that the unexpected pathway of your career is probably similar to the unexpected pathway of mine, um, but we are beautifully aligned in having worked with diverse learners. That's a, that is a, a, a gift and a treasure, and a, from our previous conversations, I know it's something that we hold sacred. I worked in a boarding school for a while. It had a large international population, and uh, I learned so much every day working with uh, students of different cultural backgrounds and different languages. It was incredible. I have uh, taught in internationally. I've delivered professional development to educators in six continents and uh, enjoy teaching foreign language methods courses here in Virginia and uh, working with people who are exploring language acquisition in general. It, uh, we, are, we are looking at a good discussion here today <laughs> between the two of us. We've seen some things. When you talk about this need for continuing education, I know you've done all kinds of workshops, sessions with teachers. What are some of the essential elements? What are the what are the ingredients in your continuing education that you know you're going to include when you have an opportunity to work with a group of educators? Right, um, and sometimes it's not as sustained or as long term as we'd like. So if so, I guess that's a great question when I think about if it's a short term or long term professional development engagement. The essentials 
are looking at one's own belief systems and, and identity around working with different identities. So we mentioned multilingual populations, multicultural populations. Um, I always say, you know, it's not, it's not a problem to be solved. It's opportunities. Students are coming from different places, whether they're born in the U.S., whether they're immigrant origin, immigrant themselves. We have to look at what is our belief system about that. And that, I think there's a lot of different ways to, to address that, depending on who the people are that I'm working with. You know, sometimes I'll um, do a little mini lesson in Romanian because I work closely with the school in Bucharest, kind of bring in a Romanian language learner lens, see how that feels, putting themselves in the student's shoes, right? Or even having teachers or leaders unpack their own language histories. You know, you just gave a little insight into yours. I'd be like <laughs> being with different language groups. What does that feel like? So that mindset piece, people always want the strategies. So that's essential too. But I, but I believe and I've seen it you know, in real life, substantiated by the the own identity work. I mean, what do you think about that in your experience? I'd love to hear. What are the things I like opinion. about what you're describing when you say we need to look at our own belief systems, we need to look at our own identities. We have to do that because as teachers, we're ingredients. We are factors in that teaching and learning space. And to ignore our own impact in the teaching and learning experience is is it's a it's a lost opportunity. And so, who we are as educators creates a dynamic in the classroom, and we have to be aware of it. Whether it's um, uh, my my doctoral research was looking at classrooms with mixed language, mixed background. Um, structures between the teachers and the students and to think about what that meant just it's it's a it's a dynamic and we wouldn't want to assume we wouldn't want to make any assumptions about the meaning to the students or to the teachers and uh, uh, so we look at our own belief systems and it's great unapologetically looking at them mm -hmm. yeah and sometimes it's obvious I know for me my my experience was before I worked with bilingual communities, it was working in African-American communities. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was such a glaringly obvious moment when I realized just how unprepared I was to support the students. They were from a community that I wasn't from. And communities, multiple communities that were all being bused to this one school on the Northwest side of Milwaukee. And I, I learned right, right, right away that you know, I could do studying and research uh, using Dream Keepers and lots of other great texts for my graduate courses at the time, but nothing was like getting to know the families and getting to know the students and having them teach me <laughs> what I didn't know and not at all assume that my identity group that I was from, even though I grew up as a free lunch kid, you know, and the first person in my family to graduate from college, I didn't have the experience that they had mm -hmm. as, you know, racial minorities and having different experiences um, in a massive public education system and, and on and on. So it's just, yeah, it just really informed me early on. And I, and I love what you said about, we have to know those mixed backgrounds. Would you think we can ever really get to know? I mean, there's so much to learn. About I love it. I love it when my graduate students ask me how to learn about the backgrounds of their students. They're waiting for me to tell them uh, the name of a website or a book that they should be able to thumb through. And they 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 just pause when I say, "Oh, you want to you want to know how to get to know your students? Okay, write this down. Ask them." 
about themselves. <laughs> so, there's no mystery yes. there. The only way to develop a relationship with people is to have interaction and uh, the, there's no shortcut. We can certainly do homework and have a general understanding of cultural backgrounds or um, r religious um, backgrounds, but that doesn't tell you anything about the individual and we can't assume that an individual is the culture. And uh, so there's, there's no shortcut. We just have to build those relationships one at a time and genuinely get to know the expectations and hopes of, the, of, of each student in our classroom. Sarah, I've got a question for you. This is one of my favorite topics of, in uh, working with people of different backgrounds. Do you have some thoughts about the expression, I'm colorblind. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. That was That's the, the that was the response I hoped for. Tell me yeah. about that because I, I, I help me help educators understand why mm. that phrase is problematic. I actually had a similar conversation. I was working with an educator last week saying, you know, I just, I, I'm tired of social justice. I hear it everywhere now. And it was, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's similar to me to that question of like, I'm colorblind. I don't see it. It's like, mm. well, if you don't see color or injustices or differences, then you must not be experiencing what other groups may be experiencing because of those differences. So there are real oppressive forces at work in our society and they're visible in our schools. And we have many facts to back them up and they're not really things that you can argue with, you know, in my opinion, they're facts, overrepresentation of um, or underrepresentation of certain groups and different programs and, and on and on. So to me, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a challenge. To me, it, it, it's not an unaddressable challenge, but I think it's about, again, that belief system, how can we help someone else who may be benefiting from the very power structures that others are being oppressed by see what others go through and we mentioned the one-on-one -on -one, the getting to know people yes to me that's the biggest piece it's let's look at say the day in the life of your student let's do a student shadowing let's do you know a home visit let's do something to help understand let's learn the student's story um that that's not the same everyone is not the same so to be colorblind is to ignore the differences that whether for good or for bad, right, can really be that are realities. I feel like people who say I'm colorblind, their intention is good. I, I understand the intention saying that they are open to all beings in their classrooms, that they appreciate all students, but saying that uh, saying that you're colorblind really denies the lived experience of the human being in front of you. And I would encourage people who have that genuine good intention, I would encourage those people to shift their language from saying I'm colorblind to saying I see the beauty of the range of people in my classroom and, and let that be their way of communicating the, the value and appreciation. But colorblindness is just like saying, I don't see you. And most students are mm. waiting for that grown up in the room to look them in the eye and say, I see you. That's powerful. I, I love that. I love that way of framing it. And I think like we've discussed before previous discussions, I'm thinking of the webinar we had last week about mm -hmm. that intention versus impact and just understanding that good intentions are fine, but they might, they might hit the impact differently. So we just need to be aware that 
our intentions aren't the only intentions. And so I like how you frame that, Wendy. I think that's a really helpful way to put it. Think about the, all the diversity in front of you and all the people in front of you. Let's let's talk a little bit about some of your specific recommendations to help people move forward with their intentions and talk about mm. some of the strategies that we know are helpful and effective. And in particular, I'd like for us to focus on areas of strength or favorite starting points where you invite people to think about um, their work in equity. How do we get people to recognize where they are so they can move forward from that starting point? Absolutely. I mean, I think I, when working with a school leader and even a teacher, sort of two different levels in a system, I find that people are coming to get support either from a reactive place or from a proactive place or somewhere in between. And I find that when it's reactive, it's a little more challenging, but not impossible to dig in. So that's usually when things are out of compliance, like, for example, the state has cited the district of being out of compliance for say language learners um, mm. or students, um, you know, minority students, certain federally recognized groups. And then sort of there's a, okay, we need to fix this mentality. So that there is a wonderful opportunity to say, hey, here's an entry point. People need help here. Let's do it in a way that isn't just, again, sort of addressing it as fixing a problem, but looking at how can we help the whole school or my whole classroom and my and my grade levels um, partners, you know, the whole ecosystem, if you will, really be more responsive to the students' needs. And so to me, it's it's an opportunity. I always talk about like if people are coming to Confianza with English language learner needs in mind, especially when it's in a reactive way, I always talk about it's like a Trojan horse. We'll, okay, we'll come in through the Trojan horse if you need help with compliance, we can do that. But we need to understand what are the underlying issues that might need to be improved around professional learning, around valuing uh, and seeing language and cultural differences as an asset around um, bringing families in to the center, um, around language and literacy practices in every classroom. I mean, it's a real opportunity to, to say, okay, what can we do to strengthen the whole system? And I think that's the case too, when it's more proactive, but I think it's, it's, um, it's, it's a little more challenging. And I think exciting when people are coming in to say like, oh, we're just going to check the box. And it's like, well, it's not just that, like you said mm -hmm. before, it's not just one website. We're going to look it up and everything's, we're going to learn all the answers. We have to do some, some deep work here. I, I'm imagining the difference between putting a Band-Aid on a problem or getting to the root cause. <laughs> we don't want to just put Band-Aids on. We don't want to be just reactive. We don't want to come in with the fixes. We want to be intentional. We want to anticipate. We want to be proactive. We want to provide for all the right things. So I'm I'm glad to hear that. Sure, if someone needs a Band-Aid, great. That gets yes. you in. And then <laughs> yes. you want them to go further with their work and really really create a teaching and learning environment that does the right things. Sarah, if I were sending a friend to the Confianza site for the first time, what would you like for me to recommend as a place to become more familiar with your work? Great. Well, we'd love to have you, you know, whoever you may be, join us at ellstudents.com and ellconfianza is also where you can find us. The, the blogs, 
are a wonderful place to start to, to maybe go for any pressing issues or band-aids. As we said earlier, yeah. <laughs> you can look at any of our major topics, family and student engagement, curriculum and instruction, data and assessment, professional learning, leadership, anti-bias education. Those are our deep dives and by literacy. Don't forget that one. So if you're looking for a topic, you could search or you could go right into those buckets. I also wrote a book called The Language Lens for Content Classrooms, which is designed for these very issues that we discussed today. For Congratulations on that leaders new publication. Thank you. That's perfect. Even when we're familiar with the topics, refreshing ourselves and renewing our commitment to working with our students is, is what everybody needs on a regular basis. So thank you for having all of those resources in one nice place for us. Well, Sarah, thank you for joining me this week. I sure appreciate having time with you. For those of you who tuned in, you'll be able to find more information about the topics that Sarah and I have discussed. You'll find those in the show notes or at teachingchannel.com slash podcast. That's also where you can register for the free Confianza webinar series and uh, watch those on demand if you're not in time to join us live for those. Do make sure to subscribe on whatever podcast app you're using so that you don't miss an episode. We'd also really appreciate it if you could leave us a rating and review. You can find Teaching Channel on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to let us know what you thought about this episode. And you can find me at Wendy underscore education on Instagram. We'll see you in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening.